Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast today, and just thank you for joining me on this journey as we have started the book of Luke. I believe it took the last four podcasts to cover chapter one. Uh, We have uh, completely studied the book of John, and we have completely studied the book of Acts. And I try to go into as as much detail and and depth as I possibly could. Um, And I'm doing the same thing with Luke, which is why... You know, I'm in no hurry, and I'm, I'm sure that you're not either. And uh, just thank you for taking your time out to listen to these podcasts and these Bible studies. And I pray that it brings God closer to you and you closer to God. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is my ultimate prayer and request: is that you give your life to Jesus Christ and let Him change your life by the power through the Holy Spirit. And Today is an awesome, awesome text in Luke chapter 2. It's not as long as Luke 1, but it's going to take several podcasts to cover uh, some of the stuff that I have dug out in Luke chapter 2. And I just, I'm going to be honest with you, doing these Bible studies and doing these podcasts and is really making me focus more on God's Word, and I've, I've studied the Bible since, I don't know, I was taking the Bible to school in third grade, but I've been studying the Bible for a long time. I went to Bible college and got a BA in Bible, and uh, I've taught Bible for a long time. I've preached for a while, and uh, I'm no expert by any means, but I, I know a little bit about the Bible, but doing these podcasts, I think I've learned more <laughs> about the Bible than any time in my life just because the study that I do and and the praying and and trying to prepare for these podcasts and so I I, like I said I just hope that that you're getting something out of it and 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 I just want to say thank you for listening and and sharing the podcast with your friends your family your co-workers whoever you come in contact with just God bless you uh, for being with the grinded podcast and sharing it Uh, let's get into Luke chapter 2 and it's Luke so often does you know he gives a lot of details and he gives a lot of people's names and in Luke chapter 2 he starts off with both because he tells us that Augustus was the Roman emperor and he says that there was a census taken by Augustus and what Augustus didn't know was that this census that he was going to be taking would play a role in the fulfillment of prophecy which is pretty cool in Micah chapter 5 verse 2 the prophecy says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. And so it is because of this census that Joseph and Mary, if you if you know the Christmas story, is when they travel to Bethlehem, and while there, she's going to go into labor, and Jesus will be born now many people have tried to discredit luke by saying that there wasn't any reason for augustus augustus to take a census and that the census never happened 
Um, there is a, a website called uh, BLE, let's see, BLEArchaeologyReport.com. And it's a, it has an excellent article on this subject. And in it, they have a picture of a stone called the Res Geste. It's called the Acts of Augustus is what that means. And it's an inscription. And on the it's on display in the Yavik Museum. And I'm sure I'm butchering these names, uh, but that's okay. Uh, near Pisidian Antioch in Turkey. And this Res Geste is an autobiography in which Augustus himself... Uh, the Roman Emperor he describes his achievements and in his will Augustus left instructions that upon his death his resgate his autobiography would be put on display in front of the mausoleum in Rome and it, on two bronze pillars well the bronze inscription has not survived it's, it's gone uh, but fragments of four copies have survived and in his autobiography, Augustus describes taking a census of the Roman Empire on several occasions, not just once, but several times. And this is what it says. Uh, this is the uh, this is what the Augustus Resgate Augustus's Resgate says. Um, As consul for the fifth time in 29 B.C., note by order of the people and the Senate, I increased the number of the pat uh, patricians. Three times I revised the role of the Senate in my sixth consulship in 28 BC with Marcus Agrippa as my, uh, my colleague. I made a census of the people. I performed the lustrum after an interval of 41 years. In this lustration, 4,063,000 Roman citizens were entered on the census roll. A second time in the consulship of Gaius Censorinus and Gaius Asinius. 8 BCE, I again performed the lustrum alone with the cons cons consular imperium. In this lustrum, 4,233,000 Roman citizens were entered into the census roll. And a third time, the cons consular imperium with my son Tiberius Caesar as my colleague in 14 AD, I performed the lustrum in the consulship of Sextus Pompeius and Sextus Up Upulus. Apuleius. In this lustrum, 4,937,000 Roman citizens were entered on the census roll. That was, that was written by Augustus himself. And he says, I taken these, these, these census. Not only did Augustus take a census, but like I just read to you from his own handwriting, that he took several. And if we go back to Luke, or Luke chapter 1, and we read that, uh, that Herod was the king of Judah, which we covered in the last four podcasts. Uh, when we read that Herod was the king of Judea, and his reign was 37 to 4 B.C., if you put these two facts together, then we have a great time frame for the birth of Jesus. Now, you can argue a lot of things, but what you cannot argue is facts. And we have people... We have people's names because Luke has given them to us 2,000 years ago. We have people, we have the time, and we have proof that you can see for yourself. I mean, there's just there's all kinds of proof uh, that that backs up what Luke has written. And there, and I've mentioned this before, but there's a guy by the name of of, of Sir William Ramsey. You can Google him and read about him. 
um, who was a British archaeologist who thought Luke was a liar, and he set out to prove that Luke was a liar, and that these so-called facts that Luke has given us is was false. And when he got uh, over in, in the Middle East and started uh, digging, literally digging and finding artifacts, he come to, to realize that Luke was spot on and he was very accurate with his writings. And so there's, there's just really no reason for anyone to discredit or just throw, throw away like a piece of trash the Word of God because the Word of God is true and it's accurate and we can believe it. You can believe it. Um, but, it, but Luke even goes deeper with the facts. He says, this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's the way most transla translations read. Um, and this is where the question comes in, and this is where people try to take a dig at Luke and uh, trying to discredit God's word. Uh, because Quirinius wasn't governor until 6 to 7 A.D. Um, and there's a guy who... Uh, wrote a thesis for Liberty University entitled The Census and Quirinius, Luke chapter 2, verse 2. And the guy's name is Wayne Brindle, and he gives some really great arguments to clarify this issue with Quirinius and what Luke uh, said about it being the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Um, and so he gives us a very good publication and I'm going to, uh, if, if I don't forget, I'm going to put uh, the site that you can Google for yourself if you want to take the time to read uh, those arguments. But uh, he gives some, he done a lot of work to show uh, exactly what was going on with this. And he clears some things up and he answers some of the arguments that the main arguments that people give against Luke and against uh, Luke's writing here and what he said about Quirinius being governors of Syria. Um, like I said, I'll post these two articles in the description on YouTube if you're interested in reading them. Uh, but it's way too much content on here. Uh, and I'll use, uh, I'm just going to use what Daryl Whitmer says, who is a, a, a guy who studies uh, Christian apologetics and he's a part of the AIIA Institute. And the AIIA the AIIA Institute's goal is to present an intellectually credible and persuasive case for the historic Christian faith to assist the church in doing the same. And their website is AIIAinstitute.org. But this is what Daryl Whitmer says. But notice that Luke 2.2 says that the census taken around the time Joseph and Mary went down to Bethlehem was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. This implies that there was a later census, most likely the one referred to by Josephus, which Luke would have also certainly known about. There is good reason to believe that Quirinius was actually twice in a position of command. The Greek expression Hegemoneo in Luke 2.2, which is often translated governor, really just means to be leading or in charge of over the province of Syria, and which included Judea as a political subdivision. The first time would have been when he was leading military action against the Homo, Homo Adensians, 
during the period between 12 and, and 2 BC. His title may have been military governor. A Latin inscription discovered in 1764 adds weight to the idea that Quirinius was in a position of authority in, authority in Syria on two separate occasions. There was definitely a taxing during this time and therefore quite possible an associated census, the details of which may have been common knowledge in Luke's time but are now lost to us. And he says over and over in references to 32 countries 54 cities and nine islands, because he's talking about the book of Luke as well. I mean, uh, the book of Acts. The doctor, Luke, has proven himself to be a reliable historian and as demonstrated by famed scholar and archaeologist Sir William Ramsey, which is who I mentioned a while ago. And, and if you've never read about Sir William Ramsey, I really encourage you to go check uh, his work out because it, 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 it's very good and it's very eye-opening. And if you're a skeptic about the Word of God at all, I don't believe you will be after reading about his findings and how his findings just opened up his eyes and changed his life. We're going to get deeper into Luke chapter 1 and talk about the birth of Jesus and some more interesting stuff when we come back from break. We'll be right back. When you're sad or upset about something, read John chapter 14. Jesus was telling his disciples that he would soon be leaving them, and, and so they, they're naturally they're, they're tore up, they're, they're sad. And, and so what I want to do is just give you a few highlights from John chapter 14, just to give you some encouragement today. Jesus told them, he said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust also in me. He says, I'm leaving, but I'll be back. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back, Jesus says. And when everything is ready, I will come and I'm going to get you so that you will always be with me where I am. I will never leave you again, but I've got to, I've got to go away for just a little while. Uh, and, and by the way, where Jesus is, that place is called heaven. And there's no place like it whatsoever. And that's where we're going to get to be for eternity if we're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. But Jesus also tells them, he says, I am leaving you with a gift. Of this gift is a peace of mind and a peace of heart. And the peace that I give is the gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. No, so and no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through in life, keep your eyes on Jesus because he will give you peace. His peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. And he will help you through whatever you're going through today he'll help you get back up and he will help you to keep grinding coming back from break we're going to get into the meat and the potatoes and we're going to just dive into the birth of jesus and i want to read uh luke chapter 1 verses 1 through uh 7 let's say 1 through 20 that covers the birth of jesus and we're going to talk about this uh, and you've probably heard this many times, especially around uh, the Christmas season. It says, At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth to Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, 
who was now expecting a child, and while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared to the, among them. Can you imagine that? I mean, you're just out there minding your own business, and you're tending your sheep, and all of a sudden, this angel just pops up on the scene. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Yeah, I bet they were. They had good reason to be. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring, you, bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, he has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. It's kind of like what Bill Ingvall said. Here's your sign, right? The angel says, you will recognize him by this sign. So here's your sign is what the angel is telling uh, these shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. I mean, picture that in your head, what that must have been like. And they're praising God and they're saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, What in the world is going on here? No, that's not what they said. They said, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. But I bet they did say that in their minds and maybe to each other. But Luke didn't record it. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened. And what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. But Mary, she kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. So, Joseph and Mary, they had taken about a five-day journey from Nazareth, from where they lived, to Bethlehem to register for this census. And while they're there for this census, you know, she starts going into labor. She's having labor pains and she's grabbing Joseph and he, she's saying, honey, I think it's time. We got to go find a place to stay because this baby is about to come out of here. And so they try to find a place and you know the story. They, they couldn't. They were rejected. You know, there's, there's no room here in the end. And so they ended up in a room full of animals. And, and when Jesus was born, he was placed in something equivalent to a feed trough in the manger, you know, where they kept the, the hay or the food or whatever for these animals. So think about this. Even at birth, people were rejecting the very Messiah they were expecting to come. Even at birth, no, we don't have any room for you. You're not even married to this woman and she's pregnant. You know, we don't we don't we don't need your kind around here. So even at birth, the people were rejecting the very Messiah that they were expecting to come. Don't you know if if, if Mary would have said, But this is the Messiah. We've been expecting him for hundreds and hundreds of years. I'm carrying the baby that all these prophets that we have read for so many years, I'm carrying the, 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 the God child that they have been talking about, over 300 prophecies. That, that, that's who's in my womb, and I need a place to stay. I bet you they probably would have rolled out the red carpet, maybe, for her and said, oh yeah, come on in, because we want to take care of God's child. 
But maybe maybe it didn't go down like that. But regardless, they had no room for them. And they couldn't find a place to stay. They were rejected. And so they ended up in a room full of animals. And maybe Joseph just said, hey, here's some animals. There's some hay. And we can just make you a bed and get you as comfortable as possible uh, with those animals. And so even at birth, people were rejecting the Messiah, which is interesting uh, to me. And so... Uh, if you think about it, a place full of animals isn't the ideal place for the Savior of the world to be born. I mean, this is God in the flesh. And, you know, the best thing it can come up with is, uh, you know, a room full of animals. The angel did say his name, the baby's name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And, you know, and, and we... We think about God and all of his power, and we say things like, well, God owns the cattle of a thousand hills, and he's going to take care of it, he's going to supply this, he's going to do this. You know, and, and couldn't God have done uh, something better, and some, some better accommodations to have this, for Mary and Joseph to have this baby? You know, you would think so. And and look at the people who were there. Look at the, the visitors who showed up to to see uh, what the angels were talking about? The shepherds. I mean, shepherds. Shepherds in back in that day and time were considered unclean lowlifes. They they were people. They were basically nomads who lived out in the desert. They're nasty. They're dirty. They stink. But yet they were the very first people to be told that the Messiah was born and that they would recognize him by this sign, that he would be wrapped in strips of cloth and laying in a manger. And so they rushed to see what the angel declared, and they found it to be true. And I'm sure, you know, after, that, after they were terrified by seeing this angel and hearing this angel talk, uh, after they kind of calmed down a little bit, I'm sure they looked at each other and said, what in the world is going on here uh, we got to go check this thing out. And so I'm sure they, they left their animals behind and they just rushed to the scene where the angel said that they could find Jesus, the baby Jesus, and how they would find the baby Jesus. And it was just as the angel declared it. And they found it to be true. And that's everything with God. When God says something, His promises are yes and amen and it will be found to be true. We just have to have we have to have faith and put our trust in God, just like these shepherds did. Uh, they didn't care that they were uh, unclean. They didn't care that they were dirty and nasty, and they'd been hanging out with animals for a long time and, and wandering around in the in the in the desert. And when it rained, it was mud. And I mean, these people are gross. They're nasty. They didn't care. They got a word from God. They, they had angels show up and sing around them the praises of God and say, hey, God's child, the, the Savior of the world has been born in Bethlehem, and here's a sign that you will know that it's Him. Go check it out. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't care how they were, who they were. They just they, they, they believed God, and they, they went to check this thing out, which was actually... Uh, another fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy because Psalm 72 verses 9 and 10 the psalmist says desert nomads will bow before him his enemies will fall before him in the dust and the western kings of Tarshish and other distant lands will bring him tribute and get this 
the eastern kings of Sheba and Sheba will bring him gifts. And later on, when Jesus was a child, we see this come to pass because the wise men come from the east bringing him, what, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. A, a bunch of different gifts, just as Psalm 72, 9 and 10 said they would. And this vast host of angels, these this would have been so awesome. The armies of heaven. I mean, what did the shepherds do to deserve this? I mean, they're, they're out minding their own business, doing their own thing, and tending their sheep like they've done their whole lives. They didn't do anything to deserve this. But for some reason, God chose these unclean lowlifes to give this news to and they get to see an angel and not only did they get to see and talk to an angel they get to see this uh, 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 army of heaven a whole host of angels before them and can you imagine what it must have been like uh for these shepherds to to witness uh these angels and to see these angels sing their glory before their 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 hallelujahs their 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 just praising God all in unison and and these shepherds who have been just watching sheep their whole life are just looking up and going this is awesome you know and then when the angels leave they go you know they they go check it out for themselves but the angels they're saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased and just like that, the angels are gone and the shepherds, they're left there with their sheep. Like I said a few minutes ago, they leave their sheep and they go check out what the angels said that had happened. And sure enough, there is the baby Jesus laying in a manger and he's wrapped in cloths of linen uh, or strips of, of cloth. And um, Let me look. Just describe a little bit what's going on here. We have a doctor with excellent, well-polished Greek, right? He's writing this story because of the impact that Jesus, whom he had never met, because when, when, when Luke is uh, traveling around with Paul in the book of Acts, and when Luke had become a Christian, Jesus has already been uh, has been crucified on the cross he's been in the tomb for three days and he's resurrected and he's ascended back to the father the day of pentecost has already come so luke has never met jesus personally like laid his eyes on jesus yet here is this doctor with excellent well-polished greek who has never met jesus face to face yet the story of Jesus impacted him so much that it has changed his life so much. Then you have this opposite side of the spectrum, the shepherds. You know, they probably can't even put a complete sentence together. They're nasty. They're unclean. And yet they too are totally impacted by Jesus. Not by his death, but his birth. I mean, they get to see Jesus, the infant Jesus, the brand new, sparkly clean, off the showroom floor version of Jesus. 
God in the flesh. And you see the two ends of the spectrum. You have this smart doctor and you, who is clean and he, and he has never met Jesus face to face, but yet you have these nasty shepherds who got to see Jesus face to face and their lives were impacted just like Luke's life was impacted. In other words, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus died for everybody no matter where we are on the social ladder, no matter how educated or uneducated we are, no matter our income, if we're rich or if we're poor or if we're in between, no matter the color of our skin, uh, what race we are, you just fill in the blank with whatever. Jesus died for all, A-L-L, all, everybody. That's why over and over again throughout Scripture it says, whosoever will, let them come. Whosoever will, let them come. Jesus died for all so that our sins could be forgiven. Amen. That's awesome. So many people in our world today are losing hope. We've got all this crap going on around. We've got COVID going and people. I mean, just, just yesterday, our hospital here in Maryville, they've already had the uh, uh, National Guard coming and helping. And so is the hospital at UT and other hospitals. But, uh, uh, they had uh, our local hospital here had to have a, a, a morgue uh, brought to them, uh, and and that it's just you know there's so many people who's living in fear. They're scared to death. We just got you know all this stuff going on in our world, and here's people losing hope, and it, people are. This is what I don't understand: how people can refuse to look to the one who is hope because i've said it many times and so have other people that hope has a name and his name is jesus just look at all the people that jesus has impacted in your life just in your life alone and, and your life itself uh, and then you think about the, the friends that you have and, and the other family members that you have and and if you go all the way back to when uh jesus was born starting with the shepherds and you think of all the the hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people that Jesus has impacted uh, and, and has given so much hope to. Uh, the people when he was on the earth that we're reading about in these Gospels and, and after he returned to heaven and he sent down his Holy Spirit and that lives inside of us, so many people have turned to Jesus and he has given them he has given us hope he has given us purpose why don't you turn to jesus why don't you turn to hope you don't think you're good enough maybe that maybe that's one of the things that goes through your mind that goes to a lot of people's minds and you're right you'll never ever be good enough to come to jesus neither will i Never would I be good enough to step foot anywhere near God. But Romans chapter 5, verse 10, Paul says this, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, Jesus, while we were still enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. You don't get right and then come to God. You come to God just as you are with all your sin, with all your drama, with all your trouble, with everything that's going on in your life, your sicknesses, your 
everything that is going on in your life, this nasty stuff, just come before God and say, God, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I have. But I'm coming to you and I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you my life because I want you. I want your hope. I want your salvation because, I mean, you think about like Paul that we just uh, got through studying in the book of Acts. The guy was a murderer. He put Christians in jail and they would die for their faith. The guy had blood on his hands, but yet he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Why? Because he met Jesus and Jesus gave him a new purpose. You don't kill Christians anymore. You are one now and you're going to spend your life telling people about me. And that's what God wants to do for you. He will take all the junk in your life and, and wash it clean and, 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 and put it behind you and give you a new purpose and give you a new mission. He'll give you a new goal. Isaiah chapter uh, Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We're all shriveled up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away any you know we try to say well i'm going to get my life right first you know you can do all that you can to try to get your life right but your everything that you try to do that is right is nothing but filthy rags before god what saves you and me is the blood of jesus christ his son that's exactly what paul said in romans 5 10 he said our i'm going to read it again our friendship with god was restored by the death of his son because he shed his blood while we were still enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus is the only name under heaven whereby we can be saved. Without Jesus, we don't stand a chance. There is, listen to me, without Jesus, there is no hope because Jesus is hope. And with him, life can be and it is different. From shepherds to doctors to politicians, you fill in the blank. Many people's lives have been impacted and changed by Jesus. It is your turn, friend, to give your life to Jesus because he is hope. And we need Jesus today more than we did yesterday or the day before that. We have to have Jesus. Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you find somebody local that, that, uh, or reach out to us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com and we will help find somebody that will share Jesus with you, that will... Uh, Uh, baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and listen you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you can begin your walk with Jesus and if you already know Jesus by all means please tell somebody about him today because this world's crazy this world's going nuts this world absolutely needs Jesus and how are they going to know about Jesus unless you tell them God bless you keep grinding Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. 
Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.